1420 WBSM presents Ray Lance of the USA Wealth Group. It's time to get your finances in order. MoneyWise starts now. Good Sunday morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome once again to MoneyWise. This morning we're going to be talking about a number of things that I think are useful to know. And I think that the first thing I'd like to do is to mention that Probably most people listening today don't realize that it was on July 27th was the anniversary of the signing of the armistice that ended the Korean War, the Korean conflict, whatever you want to call it. So today we're going to talk a little bit about that because the Korean War was sometimes called the Forgotten War, and yet somewhere around 40 or 50,000 Americans lost their life in that war. So we're going to begin in just a moment talking about that. I'd like, first of all, to start and say hello to attorney Mike Coleman. Good morning. Mike, thank you for being here. Yeah, thank you. I've been out of the office a little bit, and uh, it's good to be back in front of the microphone. And we're going to be talking about uh, a number of things today, Mike, but I'd like to start by beginning with the Korean War. And I have a special reason for doing that. First of all, as I said, I wonder how many people listening today even realize that we just passed the anniversary of the armistice. And that was approximately 70 years ago. The Korean War actually began in 1950, and it ended, the conflict ended in uh, July 27, 1953. It lasted hmm. three years. And something like five million soldiers and civilians lost their wife, their lives, hmm. mostly in Korea, mostly yeah. Korean citizens, obviously. But an incredible toll on people. And a lot of people listening today don't realize what a sacrifice so many Americans have made. I have a number of friends who come into the office periodically, and they still wear their Korean veterans hats and so forth. Hmm. So what I'd like to first of all say is anybody who is listening who did serve in the Korean War or who had a family member who did, take the time just to remember that this very large conflict did happen and unwillingly or willingly we had many, many Americans uh, take part in this conflict. For a while it was called a conflict. It was called a peacekeeping mission because Technically, it was sponsored. Our involvement was under the jurisdiction of the United Nations, and it wasn't strictly an American conflict. So more recently, it's been called the Korean War, which is more logical. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was a war. And the forces that were at play there um, were fairly dramatic when you think about it because North Korea was backed by the Chinese. South Korea was backed by the United Nations, but primarily the Americans. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I'm proud of is the history in my family, Mike, and um, as you have heard me say before, both my grandfather and my father served in the Marine Corps, and then mm -hmm. I did and my son did. Yeah. But my dad was also in the Korean War, mm -hmm. and I can only remember a few very small details from that. One of the things he came back from was he had a vest. They had like an insulated vest, and if you think about something that might be a sixteenth of an inch of little fine fur, mm -hmm. and then on the outside was just a piece of plain canvas with a zipper up the front. Yeah, that was their inner piece of clothing, article of clothing that was designed to keep them warm, mm. but it did not. Yeah, the troops were terribly, terribly unprepared for the unusual cold weather that they had to go through, mm -hmm. and. Following that time period and for the rest of his life, my dad always hated to be cold. He mm. just couldn't stand to be cold because yeah. it, it brought back the recollection of that, that time. But there were some interesting things that came out of that um, Korean conflict, that Korean War. And um, here's a couple of quotations I'd like to give you. There was a very famous uh, Marine Corps general called Chesty Puller. Hmm. Um, he wasn't terribly tall. He was probably only about five foot four, five foot five. Mm -hmm. But he would stand up on top of a rock in the middle of any of the conflicts that he was involved in, with bullets flying around him. And he'd just stand up there with his chest out, and <laughs> you know he didn't get hit. He went on to become a general, but wow. he's sort of always been regarded as the Marines' Marine. Mm -hmm. One of the things he said was, 
Don't you forget that you're first Marines. Not all the communists in hell can overrun you. Hmm. And that was when he was rallying the first Marine regiment near the Chosen Reservoir. Hmm. It was an interesting time period because they were in the Chosen Reservoir on the ground surrounding it. Mm-hmm. And on the mountainsides, they were surrounded 360 degrees Jeez. by communist and North Korean troops. Hmm. And um, I don't have the other quotation that I like to use sometimes, but basically one of the commanding officers said, we're totally surrounded. Uh, that means we're going to fight so we can go in any direction we want to and have a good fight. And, <laughs> yeah. and they did, and they got out. doesn't matter where they go. It didn't matter which direction they went in. But the interesting thing is that the the Marines fought along with the Army in the Korean War, Mm -hmm. along with troops from other nations, and they really obtained or commanded a lot of praise from Army generals as well. So Mm -hmm. there was an Army general, Frank Lowe, in Korea. He said, the safest place in Korea was right behind a platoon of Marines. Lord, how they could fight. Wow. So there's a lot of praise of that nature. I've got a couple of others that I'll give you as well from General MacArthur in just a minute. But in any event, on July 27th, the Korean Armistice Agreement was signed. And an armistice simply means they've agreed to lay down their arms. Mm-hmm. They're no longer going to fight. doesn't mean one side won, one side lost, or anything of that nature. And it took a while to work out the details of the Korean War Armistice, um, a final peace settlement has never been achieved. Technically, we're still in a war situation. Mm-hmm. There's never been a complete cessation. Well, I guess there's a cessation of hostilities. I think they're still hostile, but they're well, just not shooting at each other. <laughs> exactly. Every once in a while, something stupid happens over there. Yeah. But no peace settlement was ever achieved. What they did do is they created the Korean Demilitarized Zone, known as the DMZ, And it was at the 38th parallel, and Mm. many people have heard about that before. But the uh, discussions surrounding the armistice went on for quite some while, and people on both sides uh, negotiated this. So that war technically has never ended. We did something very special in the city of New Bedford that I think maybe a lot of people know, maybe a lot of people don't know, but we actually have um, a very important memorial um, in New Bedford. And I have a brochure on it as soon as I can find it. And, um, but I'm proud of the fact that my dad was there and uh, he was wounded too. I haven't been able to figure out yet whether he was wounded in Korea or whether he was uh, wounded in World War II. And I think it was World War II, where he was wounded. Hmm. But if you know somebody who served in the Korean War, um, tell them thank you. In many respects, it's not any different from somebody serving in Afghanistan today mm-hmm. and you know fighting in that region of the country. And um, it was a nasty, nasty, cold, cold war. They say that Korea's climate is very similar to that of the United States' east coast, but it's a a little bit more harsh. But we simply weren't prepared when we did that. Um, So we do have a monument and a memorial in the city of New Bedford. And in the process of dropping my file earlier today, I'm not sure where I can find it. I want to say that it was about 11 or 12 years ago that it was actually dedicated. Mm -hmm. It's right on County Street. when you drive by the park, you can see it there. And if you haven't had a chance to visit, it contains the names of all the people from New Bedford and Greater New Bedford who actually died in the Korean War. So please take some time and uh, try to remember it. And remember this very important date. So um, in any event, let's move on from this particular topic, Mike. Uh, but I would be remiss if I didn't tell you a couple of the things that I learned about the Korean War from um, chaplains and so forth. One was Father Kevin Keeney, 1st Marine Division chaplain at the Korean War. He said, you cannot exaggerate about the Marines. They are convinced to the point of arrogance that they are the most ferocious fighters on earth. And the amusing thing about it is that they are. Mm, yeah. 
part of their history and part of their reputation. Um, two more things I want to give you for quotations just because I, I like them. And did you ever hear of um, General of the Army's Douglas MacArthur? Yes, I have heard of him. Okay, he was a very <laughs> famous name, obviously. Well, yep. he was actually in Korea also. And he made a statement once that was overheard by a Marine Staff Sergeant, was recorded. He said, if I had one more division like this 1st Marine Division, I could win this war. Hmm. So great yeah. praise from an Army general yeah. talking about the Marines. And then I'll give you one last quotation, and then we'll switch topics a okay. little bit. <laughs> but I like this one as well. So in past wars when Marines had their boots, and probably the Army as well, and they would have their their trousers come down. Sometimes they would tuck into their boots. Mm-hmm. They also had something called leggings. They would actually wrap around the lower part of the legs. It would protect them from harsh brush and harsh conditions. It would okay. keep your legs from buckling as much, your ankles from buckling. And it was literally like a big shoelace thing that you would strap up around your, yeah. your uh, legs, your lower legs. And it had a yellowish cover. It was like a canvas material. Okay. So the Marines wore those um, in um, the Korean War, and I thought this is really funny. The communist troops gave an order to their troops in the Korean War, do not attack the 1st Marine Division. Leave the yellow legs alone. (laughs) Strike the American army. Jeez. It says as soon as they heard that, Marines were told not to wear their khaki leggings any longer. (laughs) I thought that was really funny. Someone said... No, bull, bull crap or whatever. <laughs> I almost said the word. We're going to trick him. We're going to take our yellow leggings off and let That's him come right. at us. <laughs> but it was really uh, very interesting. I so, thought we were going to have some progress in uh, Korea recently. I think they met over there and Kim Jong-un came across the DMZ, didn't yep. he, at one point? He did. Yeah, but then it all seemed to go back to the way it was before, not long after that. Well, it's a very strange place to be. Um, it's a dictatorship, and his father was a dictator, and, you know, it's an odd country. But um, apparently, I heard something interesting recently about North Korea also, is that they've totally concealed the extent to which the coronavirus has impacted their country. Yeah. So they're not giving out any public information about yeah, that. It doesn't surprise me. No, it doesn't. Yeah. Well, today what we want to do is we want to talk about a couple of other things. Besides recognizing that July 27th is the armistice signing of the uh, at the end of the Korean War, and take some time to visit the monument on County Street in New Bedford. Um, take some time to thank a veteran for any service that they provided. It's all important. The next thing we want to talk a little, little bit about is, is this a good time to refinance your mortgage? And we've done some research on that. It's sort of a more extensive topic, but it's an important topic. And if I can manipulate my arm to pick up the file folder. Um, We have a lot of information on refinancing the mortgage. So why would you want to refinance your mortgage today, Mike, do you think? Get a lower rate. Lower rate? Yeah. Okay. And... Do you think that it's always a good idea just because it's a lower rate to refund? This is a this is a trick question. Okay, I'm <laughs> guessing by the way you asked it, the answer is no. <laughs> right. So the first thing you need to know is just because you might get a lower rate, don't automatically assume that's sufficient reason to go out and refinance your mortgage. Mm-hmm. You need to really go through some analysis. We work with a number of good mortgage loan originators. We're happy to refer you to them, or you can talk to your own bank. But you need to do some more analysis. It's not just about, can I get a lower rate on my mortgage? <laughs> because today the answer is yes, you can. Yep. Uh, but you have to say to yourself, how long do I plan to stay in this house? Mm-hmm. And what's it going to cost me? Yep. What are the fees, the points, the closing costs? Right. So if you get a lower rate, and maybe you're going to save $200 a month, I've got a couple of actual examples here, you also need to know what the costs are. What if it costs you $10,000 in fees and costs to refinance it? Right. So then you have to ask, how long will it take me to recover that cost? Mm -hmm. 
So let's say perhaps I'm going to save $200 a month on my mortgage payment, mm -hmm. which is a lot. You can say that's great. Yeah. But if you have to amortize the cost of the refinance over some period of time, it might be a question of years right. before you can recover back that savings on your rate. But having said that, nevertheless, I'm going to tell everybody listening today, take a look at it. Yeah. I don't think we're going to see rates this low for a very, very long time. Mm -hmm. uh, the rates are about as low as they've been, I don't know, for probably 30 or 40 years. But here's a couple of quick rules of thumb. If your new interest rate is roughly 1% lower than your current rate, then you certainly ought to take a look at it. Mm -hmm. And then the next thing you'll look at is to say, what are my closing costs? What's the long term? How long do I plan to stay in the house? If you're only going to plan to stay in this house for a couple of years, it may not be worth refinancing your mortgage because mm -hmm. you may not have enough time to recoup the cost. Um, right now, the 30-year mortgage rates are below 3%, mm -hmm. which is amazing. That's a fixed rate 30-year mortgage. It's the seventh record low rate since March of this year. Wow. So that tells you a couple things. It tells you one, mortgage rates have continued to drop down, and it's only a space of a few months from March up until now mm -hmm. when we've had seven continued record-setting low rates. So this is clearly a good time to take a look and, and see whether it makes sense. Um, costs for refinancing are often 2 or 3% of the loan amount. And sometimes the origination fee can be 1%. Origination fee is like points. Mm -hmm. And you have to make sure um, that it's worthwhile from a cost point of view. Mm -hmm. If you know that you're not going to stay in the house, it probably does not make sense to right. refinance. But if you're planning to be there for a long term, then that makes sense. Um, let's say you've lived in your house for 5 to 10 years and you plan to stay there for a good many more years. Um, refinancing again into even a 30-year mortgage at the low rates that they are mm -hmm. could end up actually costing you more money over time. Mm -hmm. So there's not a very simple answer. Uh, the most important issue is always how long will it take to recover the cost of refinancing? And then obviously the corollary of that is the lower the total cost of the refinancing, you know, the better the transaction's mm -hmm. going to be. Um, so uh, this is a time when um, I want to give you a quotation from a lady named Helen Rowland. She said, you'll never win if you never begin. Hmm. And the same thing is true with looking at refinancing rates. If you don't make the effort to at least take a look at it, we can run some analyses for you and help you with it, then um, how are you ever going to know whether it makes sense? Mm -hmm. So the point is you've got to take some action. Um, and that's something that you can do at USA Wealth Group? We can do that at USA Wealth Group, and thanks for that quick reminder. You can call us at 508-998-8858. Yeah. I want to be clear that we're not going to do the refinancing of the mortgage for you. That's not the business we're in, mm -hmm. but we can refer you to local institutions and so forth that would be able to do it for you. And here's a quick example. Um, let's say that you had a $300,000 mortgage loan, your rate is 4%, and you're paying $1,400 a month on your mortgage. If you refinanced it down to 2.5%, which is achievable, now your monthly payment is going to go from $1,400 to $1,200 a month. It's $200 a month cheaper. You can say, that's terrific. Mm -hmm. But if the cost of the loan is $10,000 between points and appraisals and total fees, what you have to do is you take your total costs and you divide that by the monthly savings. Mm -hmm. So if you take 10000 divided by $200 a month savings, um, it's going to take months and months and years to recover that cost back. Yeah. So then maybe it's not doing it. But clearly check it out. So the most important advice today is to uh, check it out. You know, but Mike, there's other reasons why you might want to refinance your mortgage. Maybe you, maybe you want to switch from a 30-year mortgage to a 15-year mortgage. Mm -hmm. And any idea why you might want to do that? No. No, okay. <laughs> then I've asked you a question that I guess I will answer. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you pay off your loan in 15 years instead of 30 years, mm -hmm. 
two things are going to happen. One, you're going to be mortgage-free in 15 years instead of 30 years. You're mm-hmm. not going to have any more debt on the property. But secondly, it drastically compresses the amount of principal you're paying, so you're reducing principal much more quickly. Right. So even if you did a from a 30-year to a 15-year mortgage, and then you decide five years from now I'm going to sell my house, mm-hmm. you will have paid down your principal significantly, and you're going to have a lot more equity in the house. And the interest would be less as well, I would think. Uh, the interest rate's going to vary. Surprisingly, the 30-year rates and the 15-year rates are kind of all over the place right now. I'll give you a couple of examples in just a minute. But um, So you need to decide what are your goals. Mm-hmm. If one of your goals is to get the house paid off as quickly as you can, then you're better off with a 15-year mortgage. Mm-hmm. But because you're paying it off over a shorter time, your monthly payment might go up a little bit. I would think it would go up a lot. So now is the question. Now, now is the time when you have to say, what's my most important reason for refinancing? Yeah. If you simply want to lower the cost of your monthly payment and improve your budget, mm-hmm. maybe you're better off with a 30-year fixed. Yeah. But why not consider locking in that much lower rate today? Mm-hmm. And over the life of the mortgage, no matter what the term, because rates are so low today, you're going to end up paying far less interest right. and saving a lot more money. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. But um, for a lot of people, um, and this is something that um, we're working on in my house, the goal of changing from a 30-year to a 15-year fix is more important so that you know at the end of this certain term period, you've got no more debt on the property. Mm-hmm. That's right. And maybe that's really important for... Um, as a goal. So what is the goal? Is it to simply have a lower payment or is the goal to pay off your mortgage faster? Yeah. And then you have more equity in the house if you pay it off quickly. And then in the future, maybe a reverse mortgage could help if you have, yep. you know. Yeah. That's a really good point because you could switch. Let's say you pay a mortgage down much faster and now you're retired and you still need income, but you haven't quite paid off the mortgage yet. Mm-hmm. Maybe now you get take out a reverse mortgage and pay off this reduced first mortgage, which is a traditional yeah. mortgage. Yeah. Now you have no mortgage payment to make at all. Right. Um, as you might know, uh, Attorney Tenny Lance is a licensed mortgage loan originator mm-hmm. and able to do reverse mortgages. Um, she actually had two closings just this past week on reverse mortgages. Mm-hmm. And that's much in the news today as well. Yeah, they can be really, really helpful to, as you said, pay off a mortgage or if you need additional money, you know, if your if your income has gone down or maybe uh, your spouse has passed away and their income has gone away mm-hmm. and you need to get some of the equity out of your house, right. that can be a good way to do it. So this is a really good time, you know, everybody should be looking at Everything and anything they can do to save money or make money Mm -hmm. uh, during this terrible economic time that we're in. And thinking about your house mortgage, if it makes more sense to refinance it, Mm -hmm. at least investigate it. Yeah. And Mike, as you just said, then what you could do a little bit later, once you're 62 years of age or older, Mm -hmm. you can convert the the equity and debt ratio on your house and you can say, I'm going to do a reverse mortgage instead. Mm -hmm. And just yep. pay off my existing mortgage, the yeah. balance. Yeah, yeah. So a lot, of, a lot of good times to think about that. And by the way, if you have no mortgage at all in your house right now and um, you would like to have more income coming in and you're over the age of 62, you clearly should explore doing a reverse mortgage. Mm-hmm. Um, it will provide an equity line for you. And you can have it come out as a regular monthly check to supplement Social Security or anything else. Mm -hmm. So if you have a house and you have a mortgage, don't just assume that everything should stay status quo. Take the time to investigate. So a reverse mortgage can be a line of credit. You just said that. Yep. In fact, most of them are today. They are. So they let you take a certain amount of money out up front as a lump sum. Um, Five years ago, probably... They used to let you take all the money out as one lump sum, Mm -hmm. but they realized that wasn't a good idea because not everybody is disciplined about what to do with those funds. Right. So now what they do is it's a little bit more complicated to apply for a reverse mortgage, but 
essentially we want to make sure that it makes sense for you and it might give you the additional income. And reverse mortgages are still happening even though the coronavirus is going on. Oh, yes. And I can... You know, I was, I was reading a very interesting article um, just recently, just this past week. We get something called Reverse Mortgage Daily, which comes in. It's a daily newsletter mm-hmm. on what's happening in the reverse mortgage business. And people are only now just being educated to the fact that you can buy a house with a reverse mortgage. Hmm. So let's say you sell your house, you pay off your mortgage, you've got a little bit of, or you've got some equity, you mm-hmm. know, $100,000, $200,000 of equity, whatever it is. And you say, I'd like to go buy another house, but I don't want another mortgage. Well, mm-hmm. you can use the cash as your down payment, take out a reverse mortgage to buy the new house. Mm-hmm. Maybe you want to retire to Florida, and you said, hmm. you know, I don't think I could ever afford to do that. Yeah. Well, housing's a little less expensive there, for one thing. Hmm. I wouldn't want to live in Florida at the moment. No, <laughs> I was thinking that. <laughs> but, um, you know, your your house is simply a tool. It should be regarded as an investment vehicle. And hmm. so, you know, here's a, here's a sort of a question I'm sure that you could answer, Mike. So, uh, and this is not prepared ahead of time. If you've paid off your mortgage and you now have no mortgage on your house, what's a good way to protect the equity in your house? You could do a homestead. Yep. Yep, you could do that. Liability insurance, for one thing. Mm -hmm. Homestead, absolutely. Yep. And we've said this before on the radio, but if you own a house and it doesn't matter what your age is, if you don't Mm -hmm. have a homestead on your house, shame on you. Yeah. It's so inexpensive to do a declaration of homestead. Right. And most of the time when someone purchases a home, they they do record a homestead. Uh, One of the things to remember is if you are over 62, you can record another one and get increased protection. So it goes up. It doubles the amount of protection you have in the house. So in other words, if you're younger and you put the homestead on, you get a certain level of protection? Correct. But once you turn 62... You put a new homestead on it, and mm-hmm. you get a higher level of protection. Correct, yeah. And there are different homesteads for natural persons owning a house and a trust. So if you've done a trust or if you're thinking of it, then you would record a new homestead. It's only $35 to record it, so it's certainly worth it. Okay. Wow, I'm struggling to pick up some papers here, Mike. Mm. So here's a couple of examples of mortgage rates today, a 30-year mortgage rate. This is uh, fairly new information. I've seen quotations as low as 3.14%, 3.15%. 15-year fixed-rate mortgage, I've seen rates at about 2.75%. Hmm. So if you've got mortgage rates that are higher than these amounts, you definitely ought to take a look at it. And here's another good thought. I was just thinking about this. What if you have an adjustable-rate mortgage? Mm-hmm. Well, right now you're not worried about it because the rates are low, right? Right. Okay. What happens if the rates all of a sudden start to go back up again? Right. This strikes me as being the perfect time to convert an adjustable rate mortgage into a fixed rate mortgage. That's a good point. So when those rates go up again, you're not going to get hit paying a much higher rate. Hmm. So we've got a lot of good information. If anybody would like stuff on this, um, give us a call at USA Wealth Group, 508-998-8858. And most importantly, don't try to time the market. Don't mm-hmm. say, well, maybe the rates are going to get down lower again. Mm-hmm. Maybe they will, and maybe they won't. Right. I think with rates at the level that they're at today, it's an absolutely wonderful time to go out and refinance. I think it's a good point because some people might say to themselves, well, I'll refinance now, and then if, I, if the rates go down again, I'll just do it all over again. But you have to consider all the fees and all the other costs that you talked about before. You don't want to do it more than you have to. And it's important to know that you might want to get quotations from more than one institution. Mm-hmm. Um, they all have different arrangements. I was shopping around recently looking for a 15-year rate mortgage and got a quotation. The rate seemed nice. It sounded interesting. And then you look at the fine print. And there was going to be one and a half points of fees uh, yeah. or points. In there. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that was like six or $8,000. That's a, a lot of money. Yeah. So then what you do instead is you say, gee, 
Are the points negotiable? Is mm-hmm. there something else you can do in there? Yeah. And that one particular institution went from one and a half points to uh, three, uh, one third of one percent oh, rate. Okay. So it helps a lot. Don't assume that you can't negotiate with the banking institutions, and more importantly, maybe you need to get more than one quote. Well, a guy named Joe Moore once said, a simple fact is that is hard to learn is that the time to save money is when you have some. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about this a little bit in the context of people getting stimulus checks for $1,200. And the stimulus check was designed to help stimulate the economy. They wanted you to go out and spend the money right. or buy something. I wonder how many people have thought that that would be a good time to put some money aside for a rainy day right? Yeah. And save it. But um, just a couple of quick things I want to tell you. Mike, do you, do you have any cats at your house? No, I'm allergic. Oh, you are allergic to cats? I didn't yeah. realize that. Yeah, I am. I used to have a cat when I was younger, and I was fine. Hmm. And then at some point in my life, things changed. <laughs> no, that does happen. Well, I guess you could cut their fur off. Yeah, I think um, it's the dander that is actually the problem. I think you're right. Yeah. yeah, I think you're right. And by the way, don't ever try to groom a cat. <laughs> if you ever want to have a good job and make a lot of money, I think you should become a cat groomer. Yeah. Because cats don't like to be groomed. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's worth every penny that you get paid. Yeah. <laughs> well, I happen to have three cats. And um, Garrison Keeler, who used to be on public television, uh, said, Cats are intended to teach us that not everything in nature has a function. <laughs> and that's true when you think about it, isn't it? They do catch mice. Yeah, mostly the cats that we have at home, they're... I, I swear they sleep probably 20 to 22 hours a day. Mm, yeah. That's their main occupation right. in life is to sleep. <laughs> we had a cat that we sort of adopted. It was uh, an outdoor cat, and then we took it in a little bit, but it stayed outside most of the time. Mm-hmm. And it would bring us chipmunks and mice, and it would As just bring, yeah, bring them to the door and leave them there for us. Yeah, I had an outdoor cat once. They were yeah. very proud of the fact that they oh, went yeah. out and caught something. Yeah. I'll tell you a little bit funnier story, too. Um, It's instinctive in cats that they want to be hunters. Yeah. When they're indoor cats, they've got nothing to hunt. Mm -hmm. So we have a bunch of little toys and toy mice and so forth. Yep. And they're kept in a little basket down the lower level. Mm -hmm. And you always wonder, how is it when you wake up in the morning, you'll see three or four or five or six of these little toys and mice (laughs) up in the living room? Really? (laughs) When do they do that? Yeah, yeah. And how come we never see them do that? (laughs) So just recently, I happened to see one of my female cats come up the stairs with one of these toys in her mouth. (laughs) And along the way, she's going, (laughs) she thought she caught something. She deposited it into the living room. That's cute. So I think they do their... They're hunting at night. Yeah, I think they're up a lot during the night for whatever reason. But um, anyway, um, we've got a lot of good information on refinancing your mortgage. We work with some outside mortgage loan originators also. Tenny's expertise is in the area of reverse mortgages. The office here does not do traditional mortgages. It's Mm -hmm. too complicated and um, really interferes with other things that are done, I guess, here. Yeah. But if somebody wanted to reach Tenny or Mike and talk about the reverse mortgages, they would actually speak with Tenny. Mm-hmm. Um, they could give her a call at 508-998-8800. Mm-hmm. She actually has a dedicated line just yeah. for reverse mortgages. But I forget what the number is, but yeah, the law firm number is <laughs> 508-998-8800. So if you want to call that number and ask for the reverse mortgage number, we could give that to you. Right. So... Do something with your house. Do something with your house mortgage if you have one. If you don't have one and you need more income, give some thought seriously uh, to maybe doing a refinance of your mortgage or maybe doing a reverse mortgage. Mm -hmm. This is a time to really sit down and rethink, could I be doing something better with my house and with the equity in my house? So, Mike, what we're going to do right now is we're going to, first of all, I'm going to give you a little announcement. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to read this, so forgive me. And this is an important announcement about protecting your home, your assets, and your family. For more than 40 years, the lawyers and professional staff at Lancelot Inc. have been helping Massachusetts 
families plan wisely. At Lancelot, their only goal is to help your family reach your goals. This is what most clients want for their families. They want to protect their home for their family and not lose it to a nursing home. Most people want to avoid probate and have their assets go to loved ones more quickly than a court process allows. And every client wants to leave everything possible to their family without paying taxes. If you want to help your family and protect your house and assets, call Lance Law today at 508-998-8800. Remember, if you plan properly, you won't lose your money. So call 508-998-8800 for more information or for an appointment. Ask for Michael Coleman, attorney mm-hmm. Mike Coleman, or attorney Tenny Lance. That's a true commercial, Mike. Yeah, that was good. So, Mike, let's switch gears a little bit. Um, you know, some really odd things happening right now in our country. Uh, there's some new proposed pieces of legislation out. Most people have heard about the CARES Act mm-hmm. and the stimulus programs that we've had before. And, boy, it gets really confusing. So right now Congress is in the process of looking at some other pieces of legislation. Mm -hmm. And the SBA has programs called the PPP program, which is the Payroll Protection Plan, uh, EIDL, Economic Injury Disaster Loan Program. And some of these, by the way, are still benefits that you could still apply for, particularly if you're a small business. But what the country has done, what the government has done in the past, is they handed out stimulus checks mm-hmm. earlier in the year. And they were $1,200, and then there were some additional benefits depending upon how many children you had and dependents. Uh, dependent. So right now there are two bills pending in Congress. Mm-hmm. Maybe by the time uh, we actually uh, broadcast this show, we might have a little bit more information. But right mm-hmm. now there's something called the HEALS Act, H-E-A-L-S, which I think is the stupidest name I've ever heard Congress pass. (laughs) Uh, This was uh, put out by the Senate. It's a Senate bill. And HEALS stands for Help and Abusive Living Situations Act. Hmm. What a dumb name. Yeah. When I first saw HEALS, I was trying to think, what does that stand for? Helping Every American Live Securely? Hmm. That That would have been HEALS. That would have been a much nicer name. It's a good one. It's the Help End Abusive Living Situation Act. Kind of, kind of a dreary name. Yeah, very. What the House of Representatives did is they passed a similar bill, and they're trying to get these bills to coincide, mm-hmm. and it's called the HEROES Act. Hmm. Why do they always need these silly names? <laughs> for their... stupidity. <laughs> <laughs> but the HEROES Act stands for Health and Economic Re- Recovery Omnibus Emergency Solutions Act. Ay, ay, ay. <laughs> I mean, just dumb, dumb names. Yep. But apparently what what may come out of this, Mike, is additional money for demu- additional stimulus program. Mm. There's all kinds of things that uh, are trying to be jammed into this legislation, negotiate. Um, the president, for example, wants $1.8 billion to build a new FBI headquarters in Washington, D.C., immediately adjacent to a hotel that his family owns. Jeez. Doesn't um, seem like the best time for that. Not the best time to spend that money when people are out there hurting and need right. the money, but right. we won't go into that any further. I'm not sure if that will survive the legislation. I or hope not. not. Yeah. But they're talking about do we extend the unemployment compensation supplemental benefit? So. Right now, a lot of people have been receiving an additional $600 a month on top of their unemployment check. Mm-hmm. Um, that basically has just ended. And there's talk about extending that. Should it be $600? Should it be $400? Mm-hmm. And so there'll be some continued wrangling until something happens. But there will be some additional bill. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, we'll talk further about it, obviously. Yeah. So meanwhile... We've come across some really interesting situations lately about landlord-tenant law. Mm. So if you're listening today and you are a tenant, or if you're listening today and you are a landlord, it's a really difficult, confusing time. And 
Let's take it from the point of view of a tenant, first of all. Mm-hmm. So I know you've done some research, Mike, into the question of can a person be evicted from their home right now? Right. And we've got two levels of legislation. We've got both federal legislation, mm-hmm. which is ending, mm-hmm. and we've got state legislation, which has just been extended right. as a moratorium on evictions. Yeah, there's an, an, an act passed by uh, Massachusetts or put into effect uh, back in April, I think it was, an act uh, providing for a moratorium on evictions and foreclosures during the COVID-19 emergency. And basically what this says is that tenants can't be evicted right now. You can't file anything with the court. You can't get a sheriff. You can't to, even file the eviction action. No, right? you can't. You can't even send a notice to quit to a tenant. So basically, um, the intent was to help people who don't have income coming in right now. Maybe they're out of work or whatever, but it's turned into a situation where some people are just taking advantage and just not paying rent. So on the one hand, if you can't be evicted, um, that's a good thing. If you've lost your job and you don't have unemployment compensation, you can't pay your rent, you can't afford to pay your rent, Right. that's a very important thing for the mm-hmm. tenant. Correct. On the other hand, I guess some tenants have probably taken advantage of that. Correct. I mean, the Act specifically says, uh, nothing in this section shall relieve a tenant from the obligation to pay rent or restrict a landlord's ability to c- recover rent. Okay, so let's so. emphasize that a little bit further. What it means is the moratorium is a moratorium on evictions. Correct. It's not a forgiveness of the rent that you owe. Correct. So you're supposed to keep paying your rent. Um, and if you can't, you have to give your landlord written notice of why you're not paying it, and you have to say that you've been financially affected by COVID-19. Um, but I, I know what's happening in a lot of cases is that people just aren't paying it, even if they have the money. So I'm sure there are many, many cases of legitimate, valid hardship where people are having a hard time to pay their rent. And you can't be evicted right now. But at the same time, the rent is not being forgiven. So if you have the means to pay the rent, then clearly you ought to pay the rent. Correct, right. Because what will happen, I guess, at the end of the moratorium period Mm -hmm. is that the landlords can then file to evict you. Right, and they can file to get a judgment um, to pay back rent, I would think. Yes. Whether or not they're going to be successful on that is the other question. But, you know, and what we're talking about here are non-essential evictions. Okay. So like an eviction eviction for non-payment of rent would be considered a non-essential eviction or an eviction for foreclosure. That's a non-essential eviction. Okay. Um, But any any health-related emergency um, or if there's criminal activity within, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, a, a renter's premises, then an eviction may be possible. But... Well, I see a lot of business for landlord-tenant attorneys in the future, Yeah, not only in filing evictions. So here's here's some interesting things that are going to happen, ladies and gentlemen. If you happen to be a tenant and you're not paying rent, what happens at the end of the term, let's say it's three or four months later and you owe three or four months rent and you spent the money on something else and you haven't paid the rent, you can still be evicted Mm -hmm. at the end of this moratorium period. And now when you're being evicted, uh, eventually the landlord will be successful. It takes time. It's a mm-hmm. process. But then when you get evicted and you have to get out of the property, where do you go to at that point? Mm-hmm. How can you give a landlord-tenant reference right. that says, yeah, I was a good tenant. I paid my rent on time. Right. And going to a new place, one of the first things the landlord is typically going to ask for is give me a reference from your past landlord. I want yeah. to know what kind of a tenant you were. Right, right. So – if you have a legitimate problem right now, that's understandable. But if you have the ability to pay the rent, you should. Now, what about from the landlord's perspective, Mike? This is a really difficult from the landlord's point of right. view because the landlord may have a mortgage on the property. Mm-hmm. They have to pay taxes, insurance, right, uh, right. maintenance. So it's a little bit confusing at the moment whether or not a landlord can get a moratorium on paying their own mortgage. Um, in some cases they can, but in other cases they can't. But that is in the act. It sort of flushes that out. But they're still going to have to pay taxes. They're still going to have to pay other expenses related to the property. Mm-hmm. And then if they don't have rental income coming in, where is that money going to come from? 
Right. So the landlord is, you know, what are they going to do is the question. Well, I know in, in, in doing some research for this show, we're talking with attorney Mike Coleman. Um, he put together some information that I think is pretty helpful. It's called the Attorney General's Guide to Landlord and Tenant Law. Um, I guess sort of a corollary follow-up, I would say, in this is that because you're a tenant and you may have a moratorium against eviction, so you cannot be evicted during this time, um, doesn't mean that the landlord doesn't have rights also. Right. They're just going to be a little further down the line, I guess. That's right. So Mike has uh, pulled out a report from the uh, Attorney General's Guide to Landlord and Tenant Rights. So tenants have rights, but also landlords have rights, and this sort of puts them both out. I thought this was a pretty good guide, Mike, because it talks about the terms of tenancy. Do you have a lease, or are you a tenant at will if you don't have a lease? Mm -hmm. And a tenant at will is basically somebody who has a regular rental contractual relationship, but they just don't happen to have a written lease. Right, right. Okay. And a tenancy at will um, can be terminated. Uh, Normally, you have to give 30 days notice to terminate that tenancy Mm -hmm. will. Usually, I think it would be the rental period that you would have to give the notice. Okay. Yeah. So like if you have a thir- if you have a month by month rent, yeah. you have to give at least a month's yeah. notice. Right. And I can remember from in the past when I was doing some of these kinds of things that it has to be given the notice has to be given before the beginning of a rent period. So mm-hmm. if the rent is normally due on the 1st of the month for the month that's coming after, you have to give the notice to quit. Okay just prior to the first of the month. Right. Which you can't do at the moment. So (laughs) you're out of luck if you're in that situation. It's really quite a mess, isn't it? Yeah. So this uh, this article, this uh, publication, talks about obligations of the landlord and tenant. It talks about the Massachusetts State Sanitary Code. Uh, There's a section on negotiations. Um, There's terms of a rental agreement. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, here's a thought that I just had. It's not in any of these written materials. Let's say you're a tenant, but you have a really legitimate reason why you don't have the money to pay the rent. Right. But you've been there for five years or ten years, and you mm-hmm. want to continue staying there. Yeah. Why don't you sit down with a landlord and work something out? Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, when my income comes back, I'm going to pay the full rent. I'm going mm-hmm. to pay you an extra X dollars a month to catch up on the arrears. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, pay a, a lower amount, maybe. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's a possibility. I have two interesting things here, just to show the difference in perspectives from you know different people. So um, recently, there was a, a hearing in front of a judge where a bunch of landlords have filed a complaint asking for a temporary or a preliminary injunction temporary blocking the state's moratorium. So in other words, they want the moratorium to be ended because these are landlords who are losing rent. Um, But meanwhile, there's a group of lawmakers who are pushing for the moratorium to last until the end of the year, for Mm -hmm. more than a year. Um, They're also asking for some sort of legislation to help landlords, So, which would be... That's interesting. Yeah. And we'll want to focus on that as well so that if there's some special finance program that comes up from the SBA or something to right. help landlords. Um, we started this particular discussion by mentioning, ladies and gentlemen, that there's both a federal regulation and a state regulation. Mm-hmm. In the case of the state regulations, governor legislation was passed, and the governor has the right to extend it, I think, for 90-day increments, yeah. 90-day intervals. Mm-hmm and has just done so until October 17th. So you can't be evicted before October 17th for non-payment of rent. Correct. Here's an interesting question. Um, So we understand that for non-payment of rent. Maybe you can answer this, maybe you can't. What if you just have a bad tenant who's selling drugs or something like that? I would think you'd still have the ability to go in and start eviction against them. If there's criminal activity, it says this in the Act. Um, So, like I said before, certain non-essential evictions... There's a moratorium on those. Okay. Um, but if there's criminal activity going on on the premises, that may be a valid reason to start an eviction. All right. So that's so, a really good point to remember, too. Yeah. Yeah. You so. know, there's, there's so much to talk about today. There's so much that's difficult, not only 
payments from the government, mm-hmm. uh, eviction rights, landlord-tenant rights, uh, protecting your house. Yeah. If you're not thinking about some of these things and taking some action on some of them, then you're not protecting your family the way you need to do. Mm-hmm. This is a quotation from Willie Nelson, one of my favorite singers. Yeah. Uh, Once you replace negative thoughts with positive ones, you'll start having positive results. Hmm. I like that. Yeah, I like that too. And speaking of cats, Mike, I asked you before about cats. This is a quotation from Abraham Lincoln. No matter how much cats fight, there always seem to be plenty of kittens. (laughs) That's a good one. You have to think about that one for a little bit. (laughs) And it's sort of the time we're in right now. It's a very difficult time. Everybody knows. It's a time time to protect your family. If you haven't Mm -hmm. taken the steps to protect your family, gosh, you really should do that. Um, You can get information over the telephone. Mm -hmm. We have a very safe operating environment here at 352 Fonts Corner Road. And... um, We've got clean floors, clean walls, clean Mm -hmm. furniture. Rooms are sanitized between meetings. You can also do video conferences on Zoom. You can do telephone conferences. And um, there's just so much that you can do. So my closing question today as we're running near the end of the hour is, what are you doing to protect your own family? Mm -hmm. If you're not doing something to at least analyze it, then you're not protecting your family. Let us help you here. Let the law firm help you. The goal here is to make sure that you end up with the best planning possible. And I think the team of people here that can provide that is nothing but uh, top-notch. So, um, Mike, I want to say thank you for being here this morning. Yeah, thank you. Today we decided to talk about mortgages. We decided to talk about landlord-tenant law and a few other things. Mm -hmm. And mostly we want to encourage people to Wear masks when you're out in public. Yep. Stay safe and be safe. It's not only to protect you and your family; it's to protect other people who are out there. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a time when everybody needs to think about how to be responsible to society in general, isn't it? Well, um, I'm going to leave you with one last quotation about cats because okay. I got on this cat thing today. All right. In ancient times, cats were worshipped as gods. They have not forgotten this. Mm. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty, um, they like themselves. They I like themselves. That's, that's, yeah. a, that's, a well, that's a really good description, Mike. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening. Uh, stay well, stay safe, and have a great day.